Lauren Buford, Associate Head of School for Advancement at St. Anne's Belfield School in Virginia in the United States. Formerly, I worked in senior development roles at the University of Virginia, and prior to that, worked in and around uh, higher education um, in here in the U.S. as well as globally. It's been my privilege of working uh, with CASE as a member of the Africa Advisory Board, and I presented at conferences in Accra, Nairobi, and Cape Town, and done a number of webinars in between. I'm grateful to CASE for investing in this work and pleased to help lend my experience to universities and schools in Africa. Uh, I spent my teenage years living in Nairobi, Kenya, and I'm a proud graduate of the International School of Kenya and hold a Master's of Philosophy from the University of Cape Town. I want to talk today uh, about the importance of policies and protocols in advancement work. These are absolutely essential to undergird and support and guide our work and the relationships that are critical to our success furthering the mission of our schools and universities. And whether you are a new office or established, uh, this is a fundamentally important component in advancement and one that we should uh, take seriously, but it's often underappreciated when the stakes for fundraising and results are so high. I believe that the success of any advancement operation is not just how well you do uh, with the relationships and in the front line, but also how solid and sound and ethical your practices and policies and procedures. Organizational fundraising policies and protocols are critical for transparency and accountability and as guiding principles that govern the organization-donor relationship. Uh, they establish a framework for accepting, uh, stewarding, utilizing, and recognizing gifts and grants. Policies are reflections of the values that you want your advancement office to embody and promote. Uh, Protocols are systems that ensure effective and efficient operations and reflect professionalism. These are especially essential when you have money and relationships and engagement and services intertwined and at stake. Just as important as the amount of money you raise or the programs you launch, the process that you undertake and the way that you do your work says a lot about the success of your advancement efforts. Policies and protocols serve as a guidepost for fundraisers, for university administrators, for boards, and really all colleagues in this work. They can protect both the university and the donor. Sound policies and protocols uh, help to establish effective systems and a spirit of trust that is foundational to advancement work and ultimately to the mission of any educational institution. Um, before I list out some of the key policies that um, are, are important to be developed and assessed over time, I, I wanted to let you know that CASE is a tremendous resource and has uh, numerous materials on this topic uh, online. Uh, simply refer to case.org and access the principle in practice uh, section, the case reporting standards, and the management checklist uh, sections. There are a number of policies and protocols to consider, some more important or appropriate to your institution, 
And I want to outline seven of them that I think whether you're new uh, operation or you've been established, that it's important to to consider um, establishing or enhancing. Um, the first, the one that uh, pretty much every uh, fundraising uh, organization should have is called the gift acceptance policy. Uh, this policy is intended to provide guidelines to all those involved in fundraising on acceptance of gifts and grants. Um, it can also be especially helpful in the event you think it best to decline a gift. Uh, typically, an educational institution would establish the grounds on which it would accept or decline a gift. For example, the gift doesn't further the mission. It jeopardizes or compromises the institution's reputation and future work causes the institution to lose a certain legal status or creates an administrative burden or causes undue and excessive expense. There have been situations in my work that I have had to refer to a gift acceptance policy to determine whether uh, we wanted to decline or accept a gift. Um, This can happen if the gift might cause uh, some expense or the donor in question, in my case, at the time it was a corporation, had some questionable practices that you know, we didn't want to um, be associated with. This came up in a in a number of conferences that we've had, and we had quite a robust discussion uh, in the African context. But nonetheless, I would con- urge you to uh, develop a gift acceptance policy or to look at the one you have and make sure that it's reflecting a, a best practice. A gift acceptance policies uh, also provide for guidelines around donor confidentiality, privacy, and anonymity. Examples of gift acceptance policies can be found on the CASE website. The second sort of foundational uh, set of policies is what you might call an ethics statement. Uh, This establishes that donors uh, shall act ethically and responsibly and give with the express purpose of supporting the university and lays out principles and standards of practice in fundraising as embedded in the International Statement on Ethical Principles of Fundraising, which you can find online. Uh, Ethical concerns are indeed different across cultures, uh, and it's important for institutions to address what they mean by ethical advancement practices. Um, Nonetheless, you want to have an ethics statement um, either available or one to guide your work. Third is a conflict of interest policy. It's essential to recognize um, and where at all possible to avoid situations where a conflict of interest among staff or board members may influence a decision. Conflict of interest policies help to maintain the reputation and credibility of the institution and ensure effective impartial operations and governance. Ideally, conflict of interest policies would be approved and uh, signed at the highest levels of the university um, uh, and and also with volunteers. Really anyone who's out there soliciting gifts or stewarding uh, your gifts. A fourth uh, set of policy and protocols uh, deal with gift accounting and reporting. This addresses how gifts will be accounted for, audited, reported, and recognized and are important for internal reasons to help staff And administrators know the process from the point the gift is received and then deposited and then spent and how it is recognized and reported. By recognized, we mean thanked 
Also, uh, you might establish that it's going to be listed in an honor roll or in a, a, a donor wall or in some way that um, is standard practice so that the donors know as well as those internally. In terms of um, uh, reported, uh, you'll want an internal practice to track your gifts to ensure that maybe it's a monthly reconciliation report or some other internal auditing report to track to make sure that the gifts are going to the right place as designated. Uh, typically, these sets of policies will deal with restricted and unrestricted gifts, restricted to those that have some designation. A donor says, I want to do uh, this with the gift. Uh, unrestricted gifts are those with very loose designations or they allow you to to spend them as, as you wish. Um, and also these policies sometimes will delineate different kinds of gifts such as in-kind, you know, services, uh, real estate and other assets, stocks and, and other forms of, of giving. A fifth set of policies that you'll want to consider depending on the size and scope of your campaign is concerning naming rights or naming policies. If there are gifts that allow a donor to name a space or a program or are of such significance that the university wants to name a space or a program, then you want to refer to a policy that guides such arrangements. Typically, these will be established um, for minimums or thresholds that guide uh, how much one needs to give to name something. And they could deal with how to terminate a naming of a program or space in the event the university deems that name to be harmful with the reputation or mission of the university. I know that uh, naming of spaces has been uh, a critical issue, a very, very current issue in a number of um, uh, locations in sub-Saharan Africa in the last year or two. Um, and then finally, um, and this is typically for more mature operations that are raising larger gifts or establishing endowments, you'd want to set a range of policies that deal with endowment giving. These are policies governing um, endowment. Um, they talk about how you utilize the principle of a gift as well as the earnings. They typically will talk about a spending rate, uh, how much you're going to spend off the endowment um, and they're typically fairly involved contracts given the longevity of the gift and uh, usually have major restrictions on the use of the funds. Uh, many educational institutions use outside counsel, such as banks or investment firms, to assist with endowment agreements and other investment-related giving. So just to summarize, there are seven areas of policies and protocols. The first is, concerns gift acceptance. The second is around ethics, an ethics statement. Uh, the third is a conflict of interest, to sure there is no conflict of interest. The fourth is more internal, uh, deals with gift accounting and reporting. Uh, a fifth is um, uh, concerning naming policies. And a sixth uh, is about endowment, uh, endowment giving. So for those of you starting or growing an advancement office, um, that includes a robust fundraising component. I, I would focus on these six types of policies, at least at the gate, at the beginning, and if you have them already, that you're assessing them regularly. So as you consider the process to establish these policies, there's some things that uh, I encourage you to keep in mind that I've learned that we've also talked about at the various conferences we've had 
um, in Africa. The, the first is the need to designate a staff member to review these policies on a regular basis to ensure compliance for those of you setting them up. You want to designate a staff member, whether it's the development director or advancement director uh, or director of development or advancement services. If you're so fortunate to have one, um, you want to designate someone to create create them. Uh, but they should be reviewed um, annually or at least at a minimum every two years to make sure they reflect best practice. Uh, secondly, in terms of process, you, you really want to inform your administration, your governing board, your volunteers of these policies, and ideally they would be adopted and approved by a governing board or your advancement committee or some group that oversees and is accountable for uh, the overall uh, advancement operation um, because really they are meant to reflect the uh, desire and will uh, and interest of the entire institution. Uh, third, and I mentioned this before, you do want to revisit them on an annual uh, or every two-year basis, and you can refer to the CASE website uh, for their resources uh, intermittently to see best practice. Uh, I would highly recommend incorporating the policies into trainings and even use them for case studies. For example, would we accept or decline a gift? Uh, Case studies based on local and current events concerning corporations, individual donors, situations that could come into play for your university. As I mentioned earlier, we had some fascinating case studies at conferences in Cape Town and Accra and learned that each culture is a bit different but that there are standards of practice that are important to consider. I would use these policies to inform your training uh, and help you to uh, role play and do some case studies in the event that you have to decline uh, a gift or, or change uh, the way you, you, you practice. Finally, uh, I would recommend referring to the case.org uh, site for quote-unquote policies and procedures regarding gifts and pledges and download a checklist of best practices. This checklist has over 20 items that can be helpful for you as you're developing out your policies and protocols. Um, I am available to and and am happy to be a resource for anybody individually who uh, needs further information and guidance. And again, I thank Case and all of you for this opportunity to participate in the growth uh, of advancement uh, and educational opportunities across uh, Africa.